This morning, uh, I just want to, um, you know, if you've had, a, you've had a hectic week this week, it's, no doubt Christmas is usually a hectic time anyway, you know, for most of us. And, um, you know, this uh, last week for, um, for me and Kath, it's been pretty hectic. A lot of things gone wrong. Over the week, I was thinking, even this morning, what else, what else can break um, that hasn't already broken over this last week? It was amazing, really. But, um, you know, I suppose the other thing is, uh, when I think about it, really, at the end of the day, um, those things are minor. They're minor to the realities of life. And there are people who are um, experiencing really, um, you know, great losses, sad losses, probably even at this time. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's relevant, really. And I, I looked and I said, well, Lord, it's all good. I'm still breathing. My family, my kids, they're all here. All of that, it's all good. So before I start, I just want to pray this morning. Praise the Lord. Father, I just want to thank you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. I pray that uh, by your spirit, Lord, that you would give me those words. That these words would be your words that, Lord, they would uh, fall upon good soil this morning and um, that they would go on to produce good fruit in people's lives. We thank you, Father, for your amazing grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Okay, the last time I spoke was, um, I spoke about, uh, from Romans 12, and um, it was, um, the title of the message was, In View of God's Mercy, Our Response. Um, and I just want to basically, uh, because I want to lead into the, it was only the first two, two uh, verses, and, um, sorry, and uh, what I did was um, I wanted to carry on with that, but I just want to just review what, I, um, what we went over, and I'm just going to read Romans um, 12, 1 and 2 again, just to, to give an idea of uh, where we're going. So it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Um, As you read that, when it starts off with therefore, the therefore is always there for a reason. Whenever you see in the Bible, therefore usually is about what has gone before. And Paul is writing here, I urge you in view of God's mercies. And as we look back through the rest of um, Romans, you know, we see these wonderful truths that Paul writes. And some of those are, you know, in Romans 5, it talks about that we've been justified by faith and that we have peace with God. That we're no longer, in Romans 6, no longer slaves of sin. In Romans 8.1, he says, Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, it says, All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Romans 8.30 speaks about the golden chain of of salvation, that those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. Wonderful, wonderful truths. And so God, Paul is writing in, he says, well, think about these things, take these things into view, you know, and then this is what your response uh, should be. And so the first thing it says, like uh, our, the response to it 
Sorry, before I go there. Um, we're talking about the mercies of God. Um, you know, God is merciful. The reality is that everyone, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person that is born since Adam is a sinner and they've missed the mark. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. Okay? There's a cost for that sin. All right? And so, um, but God is merciful. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, these are some of these scriptures that we need to meditate upon and think upon. And if you don't know uh, Jesus this morning, I'm hoping that um, out of the, uh, what I'm saying this morning, that you will um, begin to have an understanding of what it is to uh, follow God, what it is to believe in God. Um, you know, the other thing too to remember is, you know, grace, the grace of God. Grace is, is unearned um, favour. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. You know, the problem with the, the religious man, he, he works out his own salvation. He thinks it's based on him. He thinks it's based on him and what he, what he does. And uh, at the time of, uh, of Jesus, there were lots of uh, religious um, scribes and the Pharisees and that. You know, they knew the Scriptures back to front. But, you know, Jesus knew a lot of them and where their hearts, uh, where their hearts were. <clears throat> as far as grace and mercy, there's a beautiful story in the, in the, um, in the New Testament where, where Jesus, uh, he's... Um, He's there in the, sorry, the scribes and the Pharisees. They come and they bring this woman who's been caught. She's been caught in the very act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus, all right? And obviously they're out. They want to trap him. They want to trap Jesus. And they also want to see this woman stoned. Because according to the law at that time, they had every right to see this woman stoned. She had been caught in the very act of adultery. Um, and so the... the the, the price for that, the consequences for that was that she would be stoned. I find it interesting that there's no mention of the man. Where's the other party? They just bring the woman, but there's no man there. But in spite of that, so, you know, they're, they're out to trap Jesus and obviously to condemn this woman. And then what happens is, so Jesus, he basically doesn't say nothing, doesn't say nothing. He bends over, he writes something in the ground, and then he says, he stands up and then he says, let who, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And you begin to see what happens. And you th I think, man, that's amazing. What an amazing response. Because one by one, all of the accusers go away. They can't accuse him. They can't accuse her, this woman. They had every right under the law to accuse. But by his very word, okay, they had to walk away because they knew they had sin in their lives too. And I wonder at times if, if no doubt some of those men that were there, maybe some of the, those men had been involved with this woman too. But anyway, they walk away. And such is the grace of God and the mercy of God, but also the holiness of God. Jesus said to her, there's no one here to condemn you. And then he says to her, nor do I. But he says this, he adds to that, he says, go and sin no more. 
He doesn't leave the sin and uh, he doesn't deal, he doesn't leave it alone. He also deals with that aspect of his sin. Such wisdom that, that Jesus had, such grace, such mercy at the right time, right at the right time. I think it's just beautiful. We've got a merciful God and a gracious God. You know, he, God would have been well within his rights to destroy totally mankind and to start again. But such is his grace. In fact, you know, it's all about his grace and his glory. It's all about that in the ages to come, we are going to be, the church is going to be the testimony of the awesome graciousness of God. Okay. Um, and so as we move on, these three responses that there were, there was that I mentioned the last time. The first one was to present your body as a living sacrifice. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, 19 to 20 says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? If, if you're a believer, if you put your trust, your faith in God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Okay. Um, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit. So that's the first one. It's the first response is to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We're set apart for the glory of God if you're a believer, if you're trusting in what Jesus has done. The second response is not to be conformed to this world. The Bible describes that there's three things in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and there's pride. Okay? And it's basically, I see that, I want that, I deserve that. That's the attitude of the world. That's how the, the Scriptures describe what's in the world. And from all of that comes all those things, that, that, those, those wrong desires, those, that coveting, that wanting, that taking. You know, I'm going to take it. Um, and I'll kill to get it. Well, all of these sort of things are what stems out of that, that, that sin nature. Eve saw the apple. It looked good. It tastes, and she thought it would taste good. And she also, the enemy had said to her, you'll be like God if you take it. All that pride. And the third response is that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay? We need to replace our own thoughts, the world's way of thinking with the way God thinks. And believe me, it's the opposite. God's ways are not man's ways, most certainly. Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right. And so the result is Romans 12 at the, the uh, second part of verse 2. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Basically, it's the transformed mind and the yielded will. You know, the Lord's Prayer, the first part of that is, thy will be done. It's so important. It's about God's will, really. And we've got this part of us that still wants its own way. Even as believers, even as those that carry within them the Spirit of God, there's still a part of us that wants its own way. It wants to get its own way. That old nature, it's there. But praise the Lord by the Spirit that has been, we can overcome that. We can overcome that as we choose to walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> okay, so now I'm going to move on into basically um, the first part of that was responding to God. And um, I suppose the title of my message was Now We Get Into Responding to One Another. And I'm going to read um, from Romans 12 verses 3 to 5. For I say through the grace given to me, 
to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, basically there, it's be humble. Really, that's what God thinks. It's the humble heart that God looks at. And he knows our every thoughts. He knows what's in behind our actions. We can hide it from one another, but you can't hide it from God. Um, But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Who gives the faith? Who gives the gifts? It's God. It's, It's God who gives them. All right, it's according to, and the measure may be different. The other thing to remember too is it can be different for for different people. A gift may not necessarily be the same for everyone, the same level. For some, it may be different. And that's why just deal with what you receive from God according to His grace. And it's not about what others have got, it's not looking at others and saying, well, you know, why haven't I got that? Hey, God. Is the one. He's the one that knows what the body needs. <clears throat> um, okay. So we move on and says this um, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, being in Christ is important. If you're not in Christ, all right, then you really, the Bible talks about those that are not, they stand condemned. Remember I was talking before about the wages of sinner's death. There's a price to pay, okay, for not being up to the mark. And the only one that was up to the mark, the only one that was able to satisfy the wrath of God was Jesus on the cross. And that as we, we as, as those that accept that, that believe on that and put their trust in that, then the Bible talks about them no longer being under condemnation. Okay, the reality is, you know, people, there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when people are going to face the judgment of, of God. And it's not going to be a pretty day. That's the reality. That's the reality. Yes, God is gracious God is merciful, but God is also holy. And it deserves, you know, there's a cost for it. And so, you know, I really, if you don't know God this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you this morning to consider it, to consider it this morning that, hey, who's this Jesus that he's talking about? He's not just this baby in a manger that turns up at Christmas time. Okay, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, all right? And he, it's for his glory and for his glory alone. Um, If Christ is in you, if you are in Christ, then Christ is in you. His spirit is in you and you are in the body of Christ. If you're not in Christ, as I said before, you have a major problem. You'll face the wrath of God. And it's judgment. If you die in unbelief or if you are an unbeliever at Christ's return. The Bible speaks. He's going to return one day. You know, and we as Christians, we as believers are meant to be living our lives as if he's coming back soon. That's the way. But it's so easy we get distracted 
We get distracted with life itself, with the busyness of life and work and family and all of that stuff. And we tend to neglect the one who is most important of all. And for whom, whose purposes, we truly, he came. The purposes, all of that, the coming and giving of himself for the glory of God. Okay. um, People can be in a church building, but they're not necessarily in Christ. Okay, they can come along to church. They could come often. They could have been coming for years, but not necessarily be in Christ. They have not trusted in and believed in. And so if they have not done that, they don't actually have the Spirit of God in them. Okay, these people out in the world who are good people, they are good people by the standards of the world. They don't do bad, you know, what we would class as bad things. They're good people. But the problem is their goodness is actually not good enough. It's not good enough. It will never be good enough. Only the goodness of God, which is in Christ, is good enough. Okay, so, you know, that's, that's the thing. People find, say, well, why? Why should I? I'm okay. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a killer. You know, I pay my taxes. I do all those things. Hey, that's good. That's good. You're a good person as far as the world's concerned. But sadly... You're not good enough and you've missed the mark because of that. And the only thing that will save you is faith in God, trusting in God. <clears throat> at the end of the, it says that, it says at the end of that verse, it says that we're individually, that we're members of one another. In other versions, it says that we belong to each other. You know, we're part of the body. I belong to you, my fellow brothers and sisters. My purpose is to build you up and to to, to, um, to minister to you in various different ways, but it's for the purpose and for the glory of God. Everyone, and if, 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 if we grab hold of that fact early, that, that truth early in our, in our Christian walk, you know, we will then, the church will begin to grow and begin to thrive because people are doing what they're meant to be, meant to be doing. Okay, we move on. It's into verse 6. It says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, in here there's seven gifts that are mentioned. There's the prophecy, there's serving, there's teaching, there's exhortation, there's giving, there's leadership and mercy. Um, But there's actually around 23 gifts that the Bible mentions that God has given into the body. And these are seven of them. Um, I, I believe that one of the gifts that God gave me was the gift of exhortation, to exhort the people of God, to exhort, to encourage. I think that that, um, that was years ago. I, I, I don't know why, and I, I didn't understand it at first because um, it seemed like, any time um, that I would get up, and believe me, it took me years to, uh, or it took a while because I was very self-conscious 
and um, didn't want to be up the front or anything like that. And uh, I just wanted to, but I always find myself wanting to exhort people in the faith to, to encourage them and say, he's the only way. Turn to, turn to him. You got, you know, he's the solution. He's the solution. There's lots of issues. There's lots of problems in life. He's the solution. You know, and as we grab hold of that more and more, um, you know, we're going to, we'll grow in, grow in our faith. Um, but there is, it mentions other ones, prophecy, serving, teaching. Um, you know, I, again, in the, I don't know when it comes to teaching, but I found that God started to do a work in me about this particular area, about just sharing the, the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, I, and I developed a hunger for it. I actually come to mention it. You know, somebody prayed over me years, over 30 years ago, said that I would be a teacher, and I just ignored it. I just ignored it, and I go, it took, it took years. I just ignored it. I'm just like, oh, well, whatever. Um, but, you know, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure on that, um, but I, I find that I do, I do enjoy it. I enjoy teaching from the Scriptures and hoping that people will gain understanding and, and grow in their faith. <coughs> um, and there are lots of people that serve in different capacities in the church. You know, honestly, um, the church, that's, and the reality, that's how it's meant to be. But, I, you know, so there are people in this church who give. They give lots. They give lots of time. Uh, and, you know, and let me say, there are many in the church that do that. But I, I remember when first coming to this church, um, I used to see um, guys like uh, Ranieta and Frank and Ross and uh, the worship team, you know, getting here early. They get here early on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning. They're setting up all this stuff here. They're practicing and all of that. And, um, you know, there's other people that I know are involved in other things, you know, who put in the time, you know. For them, for their glory, no. It's for the glory of God. Because they understand, they understand that we are called. We are called to be serving one another in in the church. The churches, don't forget the, ch- the churches where God gathers his people together. For what? So that ministry can take place. And there are all different areas of ministry that need to happen. The teacher needs to teach, you know. The evangelist needs to preach the word of God to the, the, the message of the gospel. All of these different areas. But they're all important. We can't do without one another. We can't do without one another. It's no good if everybody was a teacher. There'd be nothing done. There'd be no chairs out. We'd be sitting on the floor. (laughs) You know, the sound wouldn't even be connected. Okay, that's the thing. And as you begin to see, can I encourage you this morning, if you're being in church now, to give yourself as a servant for his glory, for his honour, for the better of your fellow man, of your fellow believer, that they would be built up in their faith. And as you are ministering in what God has given you, you too will end up being ministered to because there'll be others of like mind around you, gathered around you who will encourage you. Okay, so it's so important, church. The whole, um, the whole thing, I can remember, uh, I was sharing with, um, um, with John and Lorraine actually down at the, um, uh, the other Sunday and I was talking about... Um, this is over 30, 30, close to 35 years ago. 
um, made a recommitment to God, got involved in the church. Our church was busy. Busy as. Out of six, we were busy six, six nights out of seven. That's how busy it was. And I look back on that with a young family. We had three kids at the time. And I think, oh my gosh, how did we do that? How were we able to do that? You know, Monday night we were at Creative Arts with the music. Tuesday night there was an outreach in our church. We had people from, just invite people, come to church from Otara, from um, Otahu and uh, Mangere East, all around there, come to church. They'd, bus, they'd send a bus over to Otara to bring people in on a Tuesday night. And uh, Wednesday night we had life groups. Thursday night there was actually, not that I can remember anything going, Friday night we'd be on the streets doing outreach in Odahu or Otara or places like that. Saturday night was uh, like the um, young adults, young people all getting together. Sunday we had two services, morning and evening. And then after Sunday church, we'd normally rock up to somebody's place and have some more fellowship. And yet, I go, wow. I just go, I don't think I'd ever, I will be able to do that. It feels like I'm busy now, and really, when I look at it, I say, no, not really. (laughs) You know, but that's, the church was busy, and our church grew from about, this is in Mangere East, um, from from around 250 people to close between six and 700 people. Okay. Were there areas that it lacked? Yes, it did. In the end, there were people too that walked, they came in the front and they walked out the back as well over time. But I tell you what, People certainly knew that church, the gathering of the saints, was an important part of being a Christian in those days. And I think we've, we've, we've sort of over the last 20-odd years or so, it's become, oh, you know, well, it's what, what you want to do. What are you comfortable with? You know, do what, basically do what pleases you. If you come to church, well, it's all good. If you don't, that's all good too. But, you know, if we put these things into practice, if we begin to see the purposes what the real purposes are for. We will, we will tend not to do that. Um, okay. Just mindful of the time, sorry. Um, <clears throat> and then we go into uh, Romans 7, uh, sorry, Romans 12, still in 12, verse 9. It says, let, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. All right, this is... Paul's instructions to us. Okay, it says there, basically it tells us to hate sin. Hate sin. I'll tell you this. If you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're not going to be comfortable with your sin because that's you're going to be made aware of it. I'm not saying you're not going to sin. We do sin. But we're not going to be comfortable with it. We're not going to be just at ease with it and say, oh, it's all good. I'm just going to keep going. You're going to maybe feel uncomfortable. And why? Because the Spirit of God dwells within you. Darkness and light have no right to be together. They're not going to shake hands and cooperate with each other. Your flesh and the Spirit of God are not going to go, yep, your turn now, I'll have my turn later. It's not that. Okay, so, you know, hate sin. We need to do that. If we hate it, then we're less likely to do it again. Okay, what you value, what you love, you're going to put the time and the effort into it. You know, we, we say that. We sing songs. We say we love God, you know, we, lots of songs. and that. But he says, you know, he says in verses, if you love me, you love my commands. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. 
That's part of the loving God as well. It's not just saying it, it's doing it. Honouring one another, honour one another, you know. Um, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honour, give preference to one another. You know, that's the attitude. You're giving it to someone else. No, I value you more than myself in a sense. Yeah, you're worthy of that. One another. And sometimes, you know, we're in the body and we're dealing with people. And sadly, yes, there are people who walk in the flesh when, we're, when we when we go together. And, and things take place. We say the wrong things to one another. And we can end up hurting one another, doing wrong things to one another. But at the end of the day, we're called to forgive one another. <clears throat> you know, that we would, and it says here, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Other, other versions talk about their doing it full of zeal, really, when we serve. I was thinking about this as I was, you know, preparing for this, and I think, oh, gee, Lord, I don't know about being full of zeal, maybe half full. Is that okay? Is that, is that okay? I'm trying to get there. But that's the reality at times, and, it, you know, um, but that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to do it with the right attitude. He wants us to be, yeah, hey, I want to do this. I enjoy, I enjoy doing this. I want to serve in the, in the body. I want to love my brother, my fellow brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, so it's that. Do it full of the zeal, the zeal of God in your, in your, um, in your heart. Um, it talks also there, you know, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Okay, well, I'll be honest with you with this one. Um, You know, it's a struggle, and I know it's a struggle for the majority of uh, Christians. The reading of the word and prayer is probably two of the disciplines, the the most neglected disciplines for us as believers, yet they're two of the most important that we should be doing, reading the word of God and praying. And um, I go through my moments at times when my things, and I, I try to get myself, myself personally, um, you know, that, that, that discipline of praying uh, is, is more consistent. It's more consistent because it is important. Uh, and also, um, you know, um, the corporate prayer of gathering together. It's not, I mean, I don't mind coming together to pray with the saints. I don't mind, but it's that, that discipline, that, that prioritising of that, you know, that at times I don't put it where it belongs. But imagine if the church was gathering more and more, praying, you know, just believe, no, no, we have to gather more than praying more. The, the effect of that, the effect of that on, on your own circumstances and on the circumstances of those around you in the community. You know, we have to start, if we want to be an effect in the, uh, in the community and things like that, then we have to realise those things. There are things that are important. Um, yeah. Helping each other out. Okay? It talks there about um, continuing set up steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You know? 
have that moment of time where you might have people, other people within this church, along to, to, to your house or wherever, or share a meal together with them. Um, you know, just meet up, catch a coffee maybe. Um, you know, those are the things. It's just looking out for others. It's not just about ourselves. <clears throat> In verses 14 to 16, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It's pretty straightforward. You know, these things, that's the beauty of the Bible. If you read it, if you read it and you meditate upon it, you know, there are so many truths. There was so much um, wisdom in there. There's so much uh, power in the verses to help us, to help us in, in this walk that we have, this walk that we have with God. <clears throat> okay. Bear with me a second. I told you how things were breaking down. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I want to just, I don't know, one more passage of Scripture, and it's from First Peter chapter 4. And it's from um, 7 to, well, 7 to 9 first off. It says this. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. The importance of prayer again. There it is again. Uh, this time it's Peter who's writing about it. And there's uh, that scripture. I, always, I actually didn't really understand that scripture. I'd never bothered to, to, I suppose, look at it in the past. But I'd heard it. Love covers a multitude of sins. And, you know, I've heard it. I've probably said it myself a couple of times in the past. But I actually didn't know what it meant. Um, and it's this. What it doesn't mean is this. Firstly, the guilt and penalty of our sin can only be removed by the blood of Christ. Okay? It's not going to be removed by love. It's the blood of Christ. It's God's love. If it is, it's God's love. That's what's going to remove. That's the penalty. But if we truly love in the body, we're more than likely going to be able to forgive others. You're going to forgive others of their trespasses against you. Yeah? You're going to feel when they do something that you don't like, you're going to go, okay, that's all good. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you, sister. You know, you're going to have the right, um, the right response. <clears throat> you know, learning to, you know, just be hospitable. Invite, as I was saying before, to, be in, to invite people. We're called to serve we're called to serve in the body of Christ. And you know, you know, sometimes it's even those little things like, you know, like even just clearing up after church. You know, you don't have to be have a gifting to help put some chairs away. <laughs> you don't. Honestly, you don't. We do it in our own homes. We clean up in our own homes. We don't just leave it. We do that. We can all do we can all do bits and pieces. It's, it, was, it was great last week, you know, we, we met with um, the rest of the, quite a few of the churches in, in Kaitaia. 
Okay, and there was a lot of work that needed to be done. Obviously, we had had close to 500-odd people here last week. Okay, lots going on. So there were some that helped set up the chairs. You know, this was filled, filled with all the chairs, right to the very back into the sides and all of that. There was lots of food that had to be made and things like that. Lots of work to be done there, the music team and all of that. And then it was just afterwards when we were all cleaning up and there were people from, I don't even know, they obviously came from other churches. They might, not, they might have only just visited that morning. But everyone was helping out and it made the work um, work a lot easier. I'm reminded of that scripture in Jude chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. For all you Bible scholars, uh, many hands make light work. <laughs> For those who aren't, no, it's not in the Bible. But, <laughs> but you know, that's really, that's, that's what it's about. You can, you can do things. I, you know, basically I want, and I, please, it's not about, um, it's not about putting, building my, myself up, but I, I came to understand years and years ago, many years ago in fact, the importance of what it is to serve in the church, in whatever capacity. I can remember my pastor saying to me, he said this to me, he goes, John, I want you to be, I want you to be in charge of the sound. I go, what? I don't know nothing about sound. He goes, I don't care. I want you to be in charge of sound. And it just went from there and, you know, 30 years later, like even every church I've been to, honestly, even though I just think I'm not a sound person, I can just do the basics of it. I'm not a proper sound person. But virtually every church I went to, I ended up being on the sound. <laughs> and I know Paul asked me when I first came here, but I, you know, I said, I'll, I'll be on the media. That's, that's, it. that's enough for now. But, you know, that's what it is. I know it's important. The church needs all these different areas for to be able to, to work properly. And everyone, there are people who have been involved in different things, different, you know, doing different parts within for this church to operate. You know, we have to be serving, serving one another. In fact, we're reminded, Paul uh, writes in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, when he's talking about the body, you know, and um, about pastors and teachers that really their, their roles are to equip us for the work of ministry. We're the ones meant to be doing the work of ministry. They're the ones who are equipping us for the work. And if you begin to see that, and then it says that at the end of that, um, that passage of Scripture, it goes, and as each one does their parts, then the body basically begins to grow. When people are ministering in, the, in, in their God-given um, uh, their God-given ability, their God-given gifting, okay, the church will begin to grow. Because it's ready, it's ready, it's ready to receive those new people in. It's going to take care of them properly. It's going to, you know, disciple them properly, all of that sort of thing. Okay, so it's important. It's important, church, you know. The church are God's people. But he's got purposes, he's got plans for his people. Okay, he's got desires. And we're coming into an age, you know, where there's stuff going on in the world today, you know, like we think. We've got to be ready, church. We've got to be about his business. So I just want to encourage you this morning, as you go into the new year, you know, as you look to the new year, that you would put and say, yeah, God's kingdom, that's the most important thing. God's glory, that's more important than my own. God's purposes and plans should be at the top of the list. 
I'm not saying ignore your own purposes and plans, but when you put it in the right order, it's God first. It's for His glory and His glory. When He's put in that right place, I believe the other stuff will begin to fall into place. It'll begin to happen. Your families, your work, it'll get taken care of because He deserves His rightful place. Seated on the throne, on the throne of your heart, God, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Praise the Lord. I just want to finish with the end of that verse. Okay, and here it is. It says, then, if, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen.